Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We've been on a series of talks called We Will Overcome. And and, uh, today we're going to continue that series. We're just going to continue talking about the today. And today I'm going to give you the the thought of overcoming pattern. We'll be following an overcoming pattern. So right there in your homes, get your Bibles out. As a family, get your Bibles out, whether you use your phone or whatever device you use, but get your Bibles out. Because at the Rhodes Church, every time we open the Bible, we expect God wants to say something to us. So we get excited whenever we open up the Word. So get your Bibles out. Let's make some noise as we open up our Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Woo! Yes, Numbers 13. People shouting all over the world about the Word of God. Numbers chapter 13. Sermon notes are available on our website at theroads.church or on the YouVersion Bible app. You can get there, uh, go to the events section. You can download the sermon notes and follow along with us. Numbers chapter 13. Your Bible might just uh, automatically open to this place like mine is now. We've been here so long. I believe this is week seven of our series on We Will Overcome. It says in verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses And said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able. Somebody type in well able. We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against. The opposite of what he said. We're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendant of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I just empty myself of everything that is me right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me with your word, with your presence. God, I pray that you fill every home, every screen right now with revelation, with understanding, with clarity. God, nobody comes to hear me. They come to experience you. You're the one that we worship. You're the one we adore. You're the one that gets all the credit and praise. So, Lord, I truly invite you to speak to us. Speak through me now, God, that people will know your heart for them and their situations and whatever they're going through that they will overcome through you. I give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. In Numbers chapter 13 here, we've been on this story, and one of the things that I've realized is as we've been exposed to more and more people, more viewing audience, you know, I, I wish you were here. Let me just get this out in the open. I wish you were here but we're glad to have you there. We're glad to have you watching because some of you can't physically come to North City. Let's just be honest. Some of you don't even know where North City is, but we'd love for you to be with us. And so we encourage you someday, very soon, we're going to be together. I declare that and I proclaim that, that we're going to be together again physically, but there's something that's never going to change. We're going to reach people far and wide with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one thing that I've realized through this journey and in this process that God's reminding my heart that there are people watching that I can't see and that I don't know. 
And so there's some things that he wanted to stir up and speak to you. And today as we do that, there's some things that I'm going to bring out that, that may be new to you, maybe something you've never heard before, maybe things that are new to your understanding. But I pray that you'll lean in. I pray that you get out some paper and take some notes and follow along today because I want you to hear what God is saying to you. Look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. This one statement, I believe, this one statement provides great insight into how the kingdom of God works. I want you to see this. This entire story of the children of Israel and, and going into the promised land and possessing it and driving out the enemies, this entire story is based on three basic principles that I believe provide sound biblical theology and doctrine for us to follow on how we cooperate with God to experience everything that he has provided for us. Three things in this story, three things that you'll find. They're not disputable. That's why I believe it's sound biblical theology for us. Number one, God provided a land for them or a life for them. He provided for them. They couldn't provide it for themselves. He even marked out the boundaries. He even marked out the barriers and, and uh, the extent, where it's going to extend, the parameters of it. He, he marked out all of that. So God provided it for them. Number two, they were going to have to take possession of this land. Just because God provided it didn't mean they were going to possess it. They were going to have to use their faith to come together and connect with God to achieve or arrive at or possess everything that God had for him. He provided a land, they were gonna have to possess it. God had an intended result for them. He had a desire for them. He had a will for them, but it was gonna need, it was gonna require them to cooperate with him to see it come to pass. They had to go possess it. We see that in the story. Number three, they were gonna face giant resistance and opposition in the process. Providing a land, they're going to have to go possess it. Number three, they're going to face giant opposition in the process. In other words, it was going to be a fight. It was going to be a fight. There was going to be resistance, but they were going to have to overcome it. It was not a fight for provision. This is important. I want to break this down for you. It was not a fight for provision because God had provided it. It's a fight for possession. There's a big difference in provision and possession. God was saying, I provided this for you, but you're going to have to possess it. So the fight in our life is not to get, nor was it the fight in their life, was to get God to give it to them. God said, I've already given it to you. Their fight was to tell the enemy to get off of the land that God had provided for them. So the fight is not about God get, making God or convincing God to give them something. It's about telling the enemy to get off my lawn. That's what God has given to me. So the same pattern was seen in Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning. How many knows in the beginning was when we have a perfect view, the pattern, again, sound theology and doctrine for how the kingdom of God works. In the very beginning, God couldn't, or man couldn't contaminate it yet. Here's what God said in the very beginning. Here's a land. Here's an earth for you. Number two, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to fill it. I want you to go in and possess it. And number three, I want you to subdue it and have dominion over it. In other words, there's going to be opposition in the land, and I want you to overcome it. In the very beginning, we saw that same pattern. Well, the same pattern is for us today, that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection provided a life for us that we could not get on our own. God provided this life for us, but we're going to have to possess it through faith. 
Bible says, by grace are you saved. God's provision through faith, how we possess. That's how it works. So we've got to see this pattern working in our life. Romans 8, 2 says this, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free, made me free from the law of sin and death. Do we still sin? Yes. Why? If the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death, how come we still are susceptible to sin? Because there's a difference in provision and possession. God can provide freedom from sin, but we have to possess that through faith. Do you see the pattern? I'm just wanting to lay this out because I believe what we're facing, and this is what God was stirring in my heart, that what we're facing in our world is he's calling the church, he's calling believers, he's calling followers of Christ to come out of where they've been. Not because I'm a great teacher, but I believe this is a truth in scripture that people need to get, that some people were satisfied with sermons on Sunday, and then they went about their life and lived a normal life every day, didn't think about God much, and came back for another sermon and said, preacher, preach me a good sermon, and I'll come back next week. But I'm telling you, we're living in a world where that will not get you by. God's calling us up to live a life where we embrace the kingdom of God. I'm going to get into it, but I'm just warming up right now. But I just feel like God is stirring in our hearts. Sunday sermons are not going to get us through. They will not cause us to overcome. It's something alive on the inside of us. i got to get into it right now. So tell me to move on, Chad. Just move on. Get excited about it already because I know what's coming. So this, there's, there's one truth that we have to understand. There can be provision without possession. There can be. It's possible. Caleb was able to say, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, how was he able to say that? How was he able to say that? The fact that he was able to say it, I want to see how are we able to say it. I believe Caleb gave us a pattern. He gave us a pattern to follow so that you, can, you and I can say, whatever your it is, I don't know what you need to overcome. I don't know what your it is you need to overcome. But I'm telling you, you are well able to overcome it if we'll follow this pattern. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Come on, get your Bibles. Go to Joshua chapter 14. Just a few pages to the right. Joshua chapter 14. Let's see this pattern. Three keys. I'm going to give you three keys today. Three keys. Three keys to Caleb's overcoming pattern. I'm going to start reading here in verse 6. Joshua 14, 6. Are you there? Say, I'm ready. Type it in. I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me the word. Give me the word. Give me the word. Verse 6 says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, if you need that for a boy name, there you go. Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word. You know the word. Everybody say the word. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me. This is Caleb talking to Joshua. It says, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him. Everybody say word. Notice the pattern. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. What did, he make, what did they make the people, what did they make melt in the people? Their heart melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Here's the key. First key. First key is location. First key to overcoming the pattern Caleb gives us right here is location. It's about the heart. Here's the statement he said. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. 
possession of the life that God has for you and for me starts in our heart. It's all about location. All 12 spies were told the same word from God through Moses about possessing the lamp. They were all told the same word. All 12 spies saw the same opposition of the enemy. But how many knows getting it in the right location is important? You know, real estate, the three key words for real estate, location, location, location. Well, it's the same for revelation from God. It's about location, location, location. We cannot get clarity and understanding from God until we get it in our heart. Get it in our heart. The 10 brought back a word from their head. Here's the difference in location. The 10 spies brought back word from their head. And they were overcome by what they saw. This is external, external motivation or external inspiration. They were overcome by what they saw. What was on the outside of them was greater than what was on the inside of them. What was on the outside of them was greater than what was the inside. They had external inspiration. The enemy on the outside of them discouraged them. It overcame them. But notice Caleb. Caleb didn't bring him back a word from his head based on what he saw. Caleb brought back a word from his heart based on what was said. This is internal inspiration. Caleb didn't have different information from the other 10 spies. It was the information that he had went into a different location. It got down in his heart. He said something. He kept saying to himself, we're well able to overcome. God has given us the land. You and I, we have to get the word of God in our heart before we're going to overcome. It can't be Twitter feed revelation. Here's what's wrong in our society. We want to read something quickly and think it's going to change our life. The only way this word is going to change our life is when it gets down in my heart. In my heart where I believe it. Not just I think it in my head. See, you can want change. You can desire change, and that's head knowledge. But when you get down into your heart and you begin to believe it, that's heart knowledge. That's in your location of your heart. That's when things begin to change. We got to get a heart revelation of God. Not, hey, you know, I, I need to... I, Chad, I need to read my Bible more. I know you do. That's head knowledge. I need to give my heart to God. I know that's head knowledge. I need to stop sleeping around. I I need to stop looking at porn. I need to stop. Oh, that's head knowledge. But when the word gets in our heart and it gets in that location, gets down our heart, that's what changes our life. It goes from being an option to the option. When the word gets in my heart, it's not one of many options and I need to possibly think about doing something. When the word gets in your heart, it becomes the only option you can see. Caleb got a word in his heart. The other 10 spies, they just had a word in their head. Yeah, Moses said that this was our land. But when they saw something opposite of what they heard, it caused them to be in fear. When Caleb saw something opposite of what he heard in his heart, he said, what's on the inside of me is bigger than what's on the outside of me. It's about location. It's about location. Woo, he filled his heart with a word. Luke 6, 45 says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance, everybody say abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance. Here's what that word abundance means. It means surplus. Over and above. Overflow. The remainder after the container has reached its capacity. 
out of the abundance of the heart. In other words, what you fill your heart with, the overflow of what you fill is what will come out of your mouth. And when you fill yourself with what God says and you keep, I'm not talking about you read it once. Overflow doesn't come from looking at it once. Overflow doesn't come from hearing it once. Overflow doesn't come by scanning a feed. Overflow comes when I meditate on it. I think about it. I read it. I pray it. I say it over and over until it gets in my heart. And it overflows because your heart is a production center. Your heart is a production center. The, out of the abundance of the heart, whatever we feel the most is what will come out. Notice what they said, that the other 10 spies came and they began to say something and it caused the heart, the heart of the people to melt. You know that word melt? That word melt means to dissolve. Means to dissolve like, like from heat or exposure. So it caused it, it, caused it to overwhelm. It caused it to be to be drenched. Because what happens, too much of their word, too much of the enemy's word begin to cause them to lose their courage. So I just want to encourage somebody, get the word of God in the right location. Get it in your heart. The word in the right location in your heart caused a production. Here's what happens. I'll say this. i got to move on to the next point. I can do the whole sermon on this point right here. So I'm looking at the time. So you get the word in the right location. When the word is in your heart, remember I said the the heart is a production center. How was Caleb able to say, let us go up at once and take possession for we're well able? Because the word got in his heart and out of his heart, it produced that statement. It was produced out of a belief in his heart. The belief in your heart is producing what you're saying right now. I can't make it. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. The belief in your heart is producing that statement. Your heart is a production center. It will produce fear if you feed it fear. It will, fe- it will produce worry and anxiety if you feed it worry and anxiety. When we feed on God's word, it will produce statements like, let's go. We are well able to overcome. Where does that come from? It was produced out of a heart that was sown seeds of the word of God. That's the first one. That's the first one. Location. Aren't you ready for this next two? They get better. Here's the second key. Keep reading. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day. Everybody say location. Everybody say location. Get the word in the right location. Get the word in the right location. Get out of your head. Get it in your heart. Verse 9. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance. This is, this is Caleb speaking the words back to Joshua. <laughs> shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, because the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years, 45 years since the word of the Lord. They wandered in the wilderness 45 45 years. And here's Caleb saying, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years. And as he said, ever since the Lord has spoken this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, Come on, somebody. So is my strength now for war, for going out and for coming in. Here's the second key. The second key is duration. The first one is location. The second one is duration. I'm talking about spiritual stamina. If we're going to overcome in our life, we have to have some spiritual stamina. 
Here's what the word stamina means. According to Webster, means the moral or emotional strength to continue to keep going with a prolonged, difficult process or effort. It's called staying power. Type in there, I've got staying power. I've got staying power. Notice what he's talking about. Here's what the duration statement was. He says, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years. Kept me alive. I want to talk to somebody who needs some duration because God is keeping your faith alive. He's keeping your hope alive. Caleb said, hey, the Lord has kept me alive 45 years. For us, it may not be that. It may be that God's keeping your hope alive for 45 seconds after God promised you. 45 minutes after God. We struggle sometimes 45 days after God promised them. 45 weeks, 45 months, let alone 45 years. But I'm saying that God wants to have some stamina in our life. The duration of keeping your faith alive. Duration. Duration. We're not giving up quickly. We're going to keep pressing up. Notice what he said. He said, I am as strong today as I was 45 years ago. Caleb's 85 years old. 85. And he says, yo, I'm as strong today. I don't know if Caleb was working out for 45 years. I don't know what he was doing, but here's what I know he was saying. He was saying, the word in my heart, whether he could still bench the same, I do not know. But I know this, that the word in his heart was as strong today as it was 45 years ago. Is the word of God in your life as strong today as it was 45 days ago? Is the word that God spoke into your heart as strong today as it was 45 weeks ago? Has God promised you something, but you lost your duration, you lost your staying power, you had a word from God and you were standing on it, you stood on it for 45 minutes and you were strong. I'm as strong today as I was 45 minutes ago. Am I strong today as I was 45 days, turned into weeks, turned into months, and now all of a sudden we were starting to fall off. God was saying, hey, be as strong today as you were the first time God told you something. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let him steal your faith. Don't let him steal your hope. I don't know how long you've been praying. I don't know how long you've been believing God, but I'm praying right now that some spiritual stamina will rise up in your heart like Caleb, that you'll say, hey, I've been praying, believing God for 45 days, 45 weeks, 45 months, maybe even 45 years, and I'm still as strong in my hope and strong in my faith as I was the first time God said something to me. Duration, duration. God wants us to have some duration. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 says this, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here's what God's saying to us. I want you to show the same diligence that you had in the beginning. I want you to show the same full assurance of hope until the what? Until the end, until the end, until the end. You keep believing God. You keep hoping. You keep your faith alive. You keep your courage up. You don't let fear rob you. You don't get discouraged. I'm going to have some duration in my heart because God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Second key is duration. If, in order for us to overcome obstacles in our life, we're going to have to have some duration. 
Some of you need to tell the devil, you need to tell yourself, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still coming. I'm still coming, and I ain't backing down. I'm still here believing God. I know things are tough. I know it's been a long time. I know I've been trusting God a while, but I'm still here. Some, whenever you get to come back in church, you can do it at your home. Sometimes you just need to get up in the morning and begin to praise God and say, God, I'm still here worshiping you. I'm crying. I'm hurting. I'm going through struggles, but I'm still praising you. Some duration. Get some spiritual stamina. Here's the third one. Ready for the third key? Let's go to the third key. First one is location. Number two is duration. Third key. Start reading here in verse 11. As, I'm going to pick this up again. As yet I, is, I am as strong this day. I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be, it possibly could be, it might be that the Lord will be with me. <laughs> and, if, <laughs> woo, and if the Lord is, I'm getting myself encouraged. There may be that the Lord is with me, and if the Lord is with me, I shall. You know, whoa. Oh, Jesus, I'm trying to keep it plain. But I'm telling you, the Lord's speaking right here, that Caleb was saying a mouthful, and he says, it may be that the Lord will be with me. I can't say it well, but he said it well. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And if the Lord is with me, notice what his second statement was. It may be that the Lord be with me, but if the Lord was with me, I shall be able. Come on, somebody say, I shall be able. If the Lord is with me, it's no longer a maybe. It's no longer a might. It's no longer a possibly. If the Lord is with me, I shall. I shall be able to overcome. I will. I shall be able to drive them out. Whew, I haven't even given you the key yet, have I? Oh, I'm getting excited. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Here's the third key. The third key. Confrontation. Confrontation. First key was location. We're going to have to overcome. We've got to get the word in our heart. We've got to get God's word in our heart. We've got to believe it in our heart, not in my head. We've got to get it in my heart. Number two, I've got to have some duration. I'm going to have to endure it. Time may go by. It may take a little while. I've got to have some spiritual stamina. Number three, number three, if we're going to overcome, we have to be able to deal with confrontation. I know sometimes we don't like confrontation. I know sometimes we don't feel like we want to deal with confrontation. I know sometimes it's uncomfortable. But here's one thing I know, we will not overcome what we do not confront. The saying's been said many times, you probably heard it, we cannot change what we refuse to confront. We have to have the courage to confront our enemies, even if those enemies are enemy. Sometimes we don't confront the enemies in me, the, the enemies of my own attitudes, my own struggles, my own issues, my own heart, my own beliefs, whatever it is. Sometimes we got to confront ourselves. We excuse ourselves. We, we make justify, justification for ourselves. But God says, you will never change what you don't confront. You got to confront that. You got to call it out. You got to call yourself on the carpet. You got to say, you know what? I got a bad attitude. 
You know what? I've got lust issues. You know what? I've got pornography issues. You know what? I've got selfish issues. Whatever it is, call yourself out and call on the grace of God to lift you up and encourage you that you're not saved by your own goodness. You're saved by the grace of God. But call it out if you don't confront it. If you don't confront it, it's never going to change. Notice what he says. The word confrontation in Webster means this, the clashing of forces or ideas, conflict. Oh, we don't want conflict. Oh, we don't want conflict. Oh, we avoid conflict. We like landmines. We try and sidestep it. Oh, can I stay away from conflict? Oh, can I stay away from problems? Oh, can I stay away from adversity? Oh, can I stay away from issues? We're trying to jump around it. I don't want to confront anything. I don't know in our society, nobody wants to make anybody mad. Oh, if I say that, I better think about that. I might offend someone. We're jumping around, trying to avoid, avoid confrontation when confrontation may be the very thing that's separating you from victory in your life. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not, not talking about being rude. I'm talking about speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth to yourself. Speak truth to somebody else. Stop stepping around the issue and step on it. Put your feet on it. Your Bible says the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. I wish we had some people in here, but now I'm getting used to it. It don't matter anymore. It don't matter. I believe that you're there. I believe God's speaking to your heart. I believe God's encouraging you. I believe God's telling you, you've got to confront some things. You've got to confront them. We got to confront. Notice what Caleb said. He said, uh, uh, what did he say? <laughs> I can't say it in English. He said, so my strength was then, so now my strength for war, for war, for war. Friends, can I tell you in your walk with Christ, we will not be victorious if we don't understand we are in a war. We're in a war. The word war there means engagement of battle, warfare, or fight. We are engaged in a warfare. Second Corinthians tells us this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're in a warfare, not a fight, not a war for provision. Come on, you need this. You need this truth in your heart right now. It's not a war to get God to give you something. The war that we're fighting, the battle that we're fighting is for possession of what Jesus died to give us. I'm not fighting to convince God. I'm not fighting to move God. Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already fought the battle for me. He's already won the victory. Now my fight is to tell the devil, get off my property. Because notice what Caleb said he had to do. He said he had to drive him out. He said he had to drive him out. He said, he said in verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. I believe he said it with a grit in his teeth. He said, give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. 85-year-old man. Can you imagine? I don't know what he looked like. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I'm not going to try and pretend. I don't know what he was. But I'm just saying this. He had something in his heart that was alive. He didn't say, well, I'm 85. Just let the young people have it. No, 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 no. He said, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Come on, let's go. Give me my mountain. I'm ready. Come on, Joshua, say the word. Say the word. Give me the green light. I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, this is what we've got to do. Too many times we're letting the devil push us back in the corner because it's been a while. 
Maybe it's been a while for you. Maybe you're up, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I tell you, I'm 65 now. I'm 70. I'm 80. I don't care. Are you breathing? God has kept you alive for a reason. He's kept you alive because there's something in you that God wants you to possess. He says, give me this mountain. He said, the Lord be with me. If the Lord's with me, I shall be able to drive them out. Here's confrontation. Here's confrontation. After the word drive them out is the same word that we use for the Hebrew word take possession in Numbers chapter 13. If the Lord is with me, it may be, it might be, give me my mountain, the faith of Caleb, I could preach on this for another 45 minutes, the faith of Caleb to say, maybe God's with me. I know he, because remember what Caleb said? He said, uh, uh, remember, remember Joshua, I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up. And he's telling Joshua this. He said, remember, he said, remember that uh, the Lord spoke that day for you heard how the Anakim were there. These are the giants and the cities were fortified. He wasn't going after some easy land. He was going after some difficult land, giants in the land. But he said, if the Lord is with me, I can drive them out. I want you to begin to confront issues, not because of your, not, oh, not based on your ability, but based on his ability. I'm not confronting the enemy in my life based on the name of Chad. I'm confronting the enemy in my life based on the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus in my life. But I'm telling you, we have to drive it out. Confrontation, you got addictions, you got habits, you got attitudes. The need to go, they will not go quietly. You need to understand this theology. You need to understand this principle. It's not because Jesus needs to do something else. He's already done it. You and I just need to receive what he has said into our hearts. And then we begin to tell the devil, tell the thoughts, tell the attitudes, tell those issues, say, get off my land. Get out of my life. Jesus has set me free. But we got we to gotta drive them out. If we do not drive them out, look what happens. I give you these just in closing. What we refuse to drive out, we will be forced to live with. Look, in, in Joshua chapter 15, it says in verse 14, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. He drove them out. Not just three people, these were the giants. Go over to uh, Joshua 15, verse 63. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Verse 10 of chapter 16. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. Chapter 17, verse 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, cities, but the Canaanites were determined. Come on, check this out. The Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. Oh, I wish I had a few more minutes to preach this. Notice what happened. The children of Israel came to the enemy and said, hey, that's our land, you gotta go. We're gonna drive you out. But what happened, the enemy resisted. I mean, the enemy's not gonna give up without a fight. 
I'm going to change my life, change my attitude. I'm going to start serving God. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start watching church. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be better to my parents. I'm going to stop sleeping around. I'm going to stop sneaking around. I'm going to stop doing all things. The moment that you make that head knowledge decision to change, the enemy's voice is going to speak to you as well. Which voice you put in abundance is the one that will produce. When you go to drive the enemy out of, in an area of your life, he may be like the Canaanites here, and they, may, they were determined to dwell. They were determined to dwell in the land. We've got to understand the enemy's determined to stay as long as we allow him. But you and I, we have to be more determined, more determined, more determined, because look what happens. They dwelled with, dwelled with them. They put them into forced labor, but they couldn't utterly drive them out. I gave you several examples of how they were not able to drive them out and they had to live with them. What we refuse to confront, we choose to live with. Come on, you gotta hear me. This is the word of the Lord. What we refuse to confront, we choose to live with. So I wanna pray for you right now, right where you are. Three keys to overcoming in life. Three keys. Number one, it's about location. Is the word of God in your heart or is it just something that you hear? You can watch this one time and go on your merry way. It will not get in your heart. Location. Your heart is a production center. What are you producing? Whatever you have in abundance is what you're producing. Number two, it's about duration. You need some spiritual stamina. You need to endure. Some time has gone by. Maybe you've wanted to throw in the towel. Maybe you've wanted to give up. We all are there. We all deal. The I deal with spiritual stamina. I deal with needing more, more duration in my life. But God's telling you, he's kept you alive. He's kept you alive for a reason. He's kept the hope alive, the faith alive. You're just as strong today as you were then. Number three, confrontation. We got to drive them out. We got to drive them out. I want you to say in your heart today, give me my mountain. Type it in there right now. Say, give me my mountain. Because if the Lord is with me, who can be against me? They may be giants in my life. There may be giant opposition in my life. There may be difficulties. I'm expecting them. I'm expecting opposition. I'm not trying to live a life where there are no challenges. That life does not exist for the overcomer. The life for the overcomer exists with opposition that you and I have to overcome. Confront it. Confront it today. Confront every lie. Confront everything that you've not been honest with yourself right now and just say, I'm going to be honest. You've got to go. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.